You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back with the music spotlight, and this time we are looking at the kinks. That's right. I think this was Mike Gordon's choice, so it's only appropriate that Mike Gordon's here to talk about it. Howdy! How are you, sir? I am feeling kinky. Are you? Yes. Well, of course. So are you a Davies or are you just a kinkster? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you know a little bit of column a a little bit of column b well it's always a good way to be you know it makes life just a little more interesting as we like to say so, so kinks are one of those weird bands that uh should be interesting to talk about because they're one they're a band that's not talked about a lot so um and you know i look i know we're coming from this at an angle at a from an angle where we're you know, we've all got our personal feelings about uh, the band. So, you know, we don't claim to be experts. We're just having fun uh, talking about the music. No, and that's what we love doing on the show is we never claim to be an expert on anything. No. <laughs> we, no. we just like talking about different topics. At, and at that's best, always been part of the fun. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to find why did you choose the kinks for this episode? Well, uh, because they're a band uh, that I I like a lot. Um, I think they're a band that uh, I find very interesting. I've read, like, I've you know, I'm still discovering their albums uh, that uh, they've done over the years. Um, they're, they're they've got a huge uh, album library, and uh, they're you know they've been releasing 50th anniversary or anniversary remastered versions of a lot of their earlier albums or sort of their middle period. Uh, lately and so i've been discovering them that way uh, i'm currently reading uh, ray davies second book americana so i mean they've just been on my mind and uh like i said i don't think they're a band that a lot of people talk about so uh i thought it'd be fun that is awesome man you know because the kinks have always been on my radar but they've never been like one of my favorites so it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk all about that one and It'll be interesting to see, you know, all the different people's opinions who's sitting in with us tonight. So it should be a lot of fun, but we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. You know, we definitely want to hear from you guys, especially with episode 500 coming up. We definitely, you know, hey, you know, if you guys have any thoughts or, you know, well wishes or anything you want, please send it to us at, you know, earthstation1 at esonetwork.com you send us mp3s we definitely would love to hear it and we'll play it on that episode you know if you have some nice things to say hey guys you can't believe you even made it to episode 500 that is just awesome or hey i can't believe you made it to episode 500 you know just depends on you know how you guys want to put it so it's always a good thing well we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home so Please, you know, send us. We'll have stuff up on Facebook. We'll have stuff up on social media, you know, just to remind you guys as episode 500 comes up. And we might have a couple surprises coming up with episode 500. And don't forget, that's coming up on the 20th of November. That's, you know, by the time this comes out on Friday to the general public, that's only a couple days away. So if you ever, you know, want to, you know, come see us live, Mike, where are we going to be? 
We are going to be at Infinite Realities Comics and More. It is uh, a new comic store, uh, barely a year old in Tucker, Georgia. Voted by Creative Loafing readers as the best comic shop in Atlanta. Woo! So it should be cool at 9 p.m., correct? Uh, we are, yes, we plan on starting recording around 9. So plan on getting there a little bit before that and uh, and hanging out with us, um, helping us uh, move uh table set up equipment should be a lot of fun checks and all that kind of stuff yeah exactly so it should be really good to see and it should be fun to see whoever comes and you know we're gonna have a great discussion and we're also going to be playing around with facebook live so you'll be able to talk to us that way while we're recording and should be you know even more exciting as mike and mike go into the 21st century you know so it should be kind of neat a big shout out real quick to our patrons thank you guys very much for everything you guys do for us for support for your love for your you know feedback for just listening and you know being part of you know the eso network which you know spun out of earth station one you know as we just grew and grew and grew you know that's where the network came from and so it should be you know from the bottom of our hearts, you know, this is our baby. This is, you know, we're the, we're the flagship of the ESO network. And with, you know, your guys support, it helps us get new equipment, get, you know, new, you know, ways to keep people to connect with us up on the podcast. It's always a great way to just, you know, be able to talk and, you know, other help our other shows too. So, you know, all you have to do for as little as 25 cents a week, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And, you know, all our shows are station one or station who, when the dragon con report comes out, those three shows are given to the Patreons uh, 48 hours early before the rest of the world hears them. So it gives you a little bit of an exclusive and a like head start. And, you know, it's all, we've been told by other people that they really do appreciate it. And so why not get it? It's all really easy and it helps support us. And it's pretty cool and cool. I think it's neat. So with that being said, I have, we've got a musical episode for this one. And something I always wanted to talk to you about, Mike, what makes you want to go see live music? You know, you see a lot of, you know, whenever ever like Davy Knowles comes to town or, you know, you go see a concert, what makes you want to go see the certain artists and such? Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, that about uh, what I look for in, in seeing a live live act, because uh, I was actually thinking about that this past weekend. I was at a, uh, a concert that uh, had some blues musicians including uh, someone that I've, I've talked about before uh, on this show. Uh, so uh, I'm a big fan of Davey Knowles, who is a blues musician out of England. He actually resides in Chicago area, but uh, he's originally from England. And uh, he's just one of the, I think, one of uh, the best uh, guitarists, the best blues guitarist uh, that's out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can't safely say that, you know, he's the best guitarist out there or the best guitarist ever uh because i think i think guitar playing just like any sort of instrument or even people who sing etc cetera, etc cetera, is a purely subjective experience um you know you can i can i can listen to davy play and i've seen a lot of great guitarists i mean we're about to talk about the kinks i've seen dave davies 
play the guitar. He's one of the best guitarists on the planet. I've seen him play. I've seen Brian May play uh, with Queen. I've seen uh, Prince play. I've seen Neil Young play. Um, uh, I, I've seen a lot of great uh, folks play the guitar over the years. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, um, when Davey plays, it just it just hits me in my soul is, is what I, I, I can only describe it as, as it just, it connects, I, I connect on, with it in a, on a level that's like unlike anybody else. And it almost brings me to tears sometimes. And, and I know Mike, that you can testify to this because I know that you've seen me uh, uh, at Davy Knowles show. And uh, uh, yeah, I, it, it, I can get quite emotional. You go into a whole nother world when that happens, man. It's just like, you're like, you're like floating like an inch off the ground and you're like you're like almost like you're flowing to the music it's really awesome to see but isn't i mean isn't that what you look for too when you see a live act you want that connection oh you totally want to connect with the artists up there on stage either if it's at a music festival or if it's someplace like a hundred person concert hall it's just it's just amazing to be able to see stuff like that and then to, you know, take it to, you know, the next level and, you know, just, you know, just feed in with the whole band. It's just awesome. And look, I mean, you know, you, we can spend, you know, you can spend a lot of money seeing Queen, seeing the Eagles come back on their I don't 55th know comeback tour. <laughs> exactly. They're still touring. Uh, I know it's just crazy, <laughs> but you know, and those, and those ticket prices are insane, you know? Um, uh, but I think certainly right now in selecting concerts that I want to go to, because I'm getting, look, I'm getting older. <laughs> That's, that was proof of this, this weekend. I'm, I'm definitely getting older. And as I get older, I realize that a lot of the shows that I've seen over the years, I don't remember. You know, I've seen, I can tell you I was there. I can even tell you maybe a song or two that they played. But in a lot of t- in a lot of cases, I'm just like, oh yeah, I saw them, but I don't really recall uh, that. And I'm like, wow, I spent whatever it was, however much money I spent on that show. And yet here it is years later and I can't remember it. It's like, that doesn't seem like money well spent. So, um, and as I get older, well, a lot of know, times though, it, it always feels like they run into each other. Kind of. Yeah. And I think that's a sign of a good show though. Yeah, too. exactly. Um, I think also that, um, you know, I mean, as I get older, it's just like, it's a pain to go downtown. It's a pain to park. It's a pain to do this, that, and the other thing. Obviously ticket prices are, are expensive these days. So it's kind of like you have to be more selective. So, so this day and age, if there's a, if there's an artist that, that I feel a connection to like Davey, like I will see him every time he comes close, every time he comes around. Um, and if there's artists that are out there that I'm like, you know what? I've never seen them. And it looks like this might be their last t- chance to see them because everybody's getting older. I, I will try to take that opportunity as well. I mean, I oh, think that's a big exactly. concern now, nowadays. We call it our bucket list of people who we want to see before they're gone. 
yeah. you know, oh, yeah. this might be the last time they tour or this might be the last time they come around. It's just like, you know, you just don't know. And, you know, so we, we make special exceptions for that. You know, that's why, you know, people go, why do you go see all these old people? And it's like, because they're classics and, you know, they might not be able to tour and you, you get to say, I saw so-and-so, you know, type thing. So and a lot of times cool. it's, it's, you know, they still can play, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think that there's, I mean, it's not like, you know, when you're watching wrestling, you know, if you're watching pro wrestling and a guy's like our age in the ring, you're kind of like, Oh, that's not going to be a great performance. But, you know, I've seen guys that are almost twice my age now, a <laughs> hundred years old play and they're amazing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't think you can put like an age requirement on, on musicians. I mean, certainly some are better than others, but um, I still have a list of folks that, yes, I hope at some point I get to see that list is smaller and smaller uh, as of course the years go on. Uh, but um, you know, I think, uh, and otherwise, yeah, like I said, there's a, some people that I, I feel, like I said, I feel a connection to that. I, that haven't around. I mean, we live in, you know, we live in a pretty metropolitan city, but it's amazing how many bands and how many acts do not come to Atlanta for whatever reason. Oh, exactly. There's huge, huge tours and they just pass the South by, or they skip Atlanta and they go down to like Orlando or Miami or Nashville, you know, all areas, not that far from us, but it's like they pass right by us. And that's kind of heartbreaking. So that does happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, is that sort of similar to your experience? I mean, what did, what, is there anything in particular that you look for when you're, I mean, cause you and, and Judy go to a lot of bands too, probably more music than, than we do. It depends. You know, we've, our musical tastes have evolved over the years where, you know, we go, you know, we don't go see tons of like popular big stadium bands and everything like the Eagles or, you know, stuff like that. Or we didn't even go see Queen when they came. We tried to go see, you know, we go try to go see a lot of bands, you know, you know, a lot of smaller venues and go see, you know, a lot of what they call new grass, or we go see, you know, like pure up rock bands, or we go see a lot of the classics. Uh, and it just, it just all depends, you know, on money or time or time and money, you know, but it's just like, you know, of course every couple of weeks it's like, Oh, look what they just announced. So we're going to go see bands like the Avid brothers, or we're going to go see, you know, the Lumineers, or we're going to go see, you know, railroad earth or, you know, bands like that. And I love it because the passion and the energy of going to see these people and seeing them, you know, maybe, you know, be maybe like, 20 feet away from these people not having to be three balconies up or something like that that also you know is pretty darn awesome and you know it's just it's just a lot of fun and it just is for me you know it's it's experience and you know then going to music festivals and and discovering brand new artists and you know finding bands you know you might have heard like once or twice on the radio and going to see you know see them live there it's just it's just awesome and you know that's even more special you know we it's it's 
being outside on a field and going to see, you know, bands in the stage. And it's just, it's just awesome. You know, and in my head, it's like, Hey, I wonder if this is what Woodstock was like, you know, it's kind of fun. You know, <laughs> he's still not getting over Woodstock. I guess no. when you go to, when you go to Woodstock, when one of your earliest concert memories is going to one of the biggest uh, live festivals that's ever been in the history of the planet, I guess that kind of spoils you to to uh, concerts for for life after that. Oh, of course, you have to basically, <laughs> you know, it's you trying know, to recreate that. You spent your entire life trying to recreate that. We had hoped to be able to pass that on to William and everything, you know, the experience, and you know, a lot of it was, you know, with him, you know, he couldn't handled all that much going to like festivals and stuff but he went to go see a lot of concerts with us and sometimes it was kicking and screaming but he'd appreciate it afterwards so Mm -hmm. but you know but that's the way my parents did it with me so (laughs) bring him dragging and screaming exactly so it's pretty uh i don't know i mean i'm as i'm getting older too the festival thing is does wear and tear on me i will say like i haven't done a lot of festivals but it's that's a lot of like commitment and uh it's tough i i i'm eyeing a couple of them and i may i'm not done with them but it's a that's a tough thing to spend all day that's at a at a venue uh with bands that's that's listening that's that's hard for me to do like yeah that's hard well of course it's interesting though because for us it's like we already have plans for go to Floyd Fest in late summer of 2020. And, you know, that's driving all the way up to Southern Virginia and, you know, going to see bands up there. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. Sure. And we haven't done it in the last couple of years because of Judy's health. And we're, we're actually looking forward to getting back on the horse, as we like to say. So it's kind of cool. So I, uh, and, you know, I have to also say too, um, you know, as fun as seeing like, you know, bands that are on my bucket list are, uh, there's a lot of like local bands that are just fun. There's a lot of talent out there and not all of them are not even like most of them are like hugely successful. Like there's so many talented people. Uh, one of the guys that we saw over the weekend that is a great blues musician is, uh, his day job is a bus driver. He's been doing that for 30 years. Um, you know, we're about to talk to, to, to have our good friends, Ricky and Bambi on, uh, Ricky and Bambi are, are amazing to see live. They're so good and they have so much fun. Um, and that's another thing I think that's key to going to shows, uh, especially over and over again. If the, if the band looks like they're having a good time, if they, if they have a good time, then that, that's a great experience that you want to do, uh, over and over again. Well, exactly. And that's part of the thing that you want to experience is, you know, seeing these new, I won't say like Ricky and Bambi are new because they've been doing this for years, you know, but it's just awesome. So it's just, you know, it's great when you can get to do that and to have the experience and being able to see these people and say, Hey, I saw these guys, you know, when, you know, Judy tells me stories about when she saw REM, you know, in Athens before their first album came out, you know, type stuff. 
and you know it's just it's just pretty cool yeah it's one thing to see like the young up-and-coming bands before they get quote-unquote big but also it's cool to see these people that have been playing for decades and yeah they're not gonna be you know they're not probably gonna get to that that huge level but yet they're really really good at what they do and they're doing it because they love it they're you know being an independent musician in this day and age is kind of very similar to being like an independent writer or an independent comic book maker or any independent creator it's just doing their thing and you know you know they're doing it because they love it and that's that is i think um telling i mean because if, if someone's doing it because they love it then uh, i think that's worth checking out exactly and you know definitely check out local music in your areas and folks please give it a try it'd be well worth it of your time with that being said let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment and we are talking all about the kinks Hi, this is Ashley Pauld with this week's Box Office Buzz. The biggest movie in theaters this weekend, or at least the one I'm personally most looking forward to, is called Ford vs. Ferrari. Now, a movie about car racing wouldn't normally be my cup of tea necessarily, but this is one of those movies where I saw the trailer and thought, oh my gosh, I have to see this. This looks so interesting. It's based on a true story of an American car designer and a British driver who are trying to help Ford Motor Company beat the legendary Ferrari race cars. It's got a really cool cast um, led by Matt Damon and Christian Bale, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it in IMAX this weekend. already have my ticket. Can't wait to see it. We also have the reboot of Charlie's Angels about the globe-trotting spies. Now, I'm a person who doesn't necessarily think that reboots are always a bad idea. I think that there are older movies that it's worth revisiting, kind of bringing a modern lens to these stories, seeing how we can kind of translate some of these characters and ideas into an updated time. The trailers for this one didn't necessarily grab me, though, so it looks like one that might be kind of fun to catch on streaming, but I'm not necessarily going to be rushing out to the theaters to see this one. Finally, we've got a drama thriller called The Good Liar, and it's about a con artist played by Ian McKellen, who just might get conned himself by a character played by Helen Mirren. Now, of course, the main draw of this is seeing two legendary actors like Ian McKellen and Helen and Helen Mirren on screen together. The trailer for this one is interesting. I'm not quite sure what vibe I'm getting from it. Maybe a little bit of crime undertone and even a little bit of horror. It looks really intriguing, though, so this is one that I might end up checking out eventually. And again, just if not to see Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren on screen together. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Look, we know it's a long time till Doctor Who comes back on the air. Sorry. But your friends here at the Earth Station Who Podcast are here to help. That's right. Mike, Mike, and Mary will be your guide through this wilderness year with reviews of classic stories, audios, and even some group discussions featuring some special guests. Join us for new episodes every other week up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found. 
the Earth Station Who podcast, exploring over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time for our music segment. And this time out, we are looking at the kinks. Yes, it's time for us to get kinky, sort of, I guess. Oh, I was waiting for that to happen. (laughs) And of course, we have with us our usual crew here for the music spotlights. Uh, Michelle is here. Hello. Representing the uh, iconic rock moments, right? Yep. Which the Kinks have many of, I think. They do. And we also have Ricky and Bambi joining us. Hello. Oh wow, as in stereo. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, very cool. You guys doing all right? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Are you are you ready to rock? We're always ready yeah. to rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as we usually start off, uh the Kinks, uh we'll just find out where uh, like how everybody got introduced to the Kinks. Uh, Kinks have been around since 1964, which I think predates almost all of us, right? So, uh, yeah. So at some point, we must have run across them. Uh, let's start with you, Bambi. Where did you first uh, encounter the Kinks? To be honest, I had no clue who the Kinks were until I heard Van Halen's "You Really Got Me." <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> wow. That was a song. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I think you know. I think actually um, the. And did that for a whole generation with the Kinks and with Roy Orbison, right? Uh, when they did a Pretty Woman, their cover of that, like they oh. uh, they actually um, introduced a whole new generation to those those, those songs. I think. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they acknowledged who they were, like who, who did the originals. But uh, <laughs> certainly, um, I think that might have been the first time I was aware of those songs in particular. Um, Ricky, what about you? Well, for me, uh, I think it's been a situation of, for many, many years, um, I'll have heard a song a number of times, and then somebody will say, oh, you know, that's the Kinks. And no, I had no idea that was the Kinks. So I know all this music by the Kinks that's just always been around, and I've never known it was them. Mm. They, and we'll probably talk about this, but they did go through some some changes as a band uh, over the decades, which I think was kind of interesting. They changed their style a little bit. Um, I mean, there's still, I think, if you're, you know, a Kinks purist or whatever, uh, you kind of can follow them. And, and, and still there's, I think, the the Ray Davies sound in particular um, is is pretty, um, it's pretty unmistakable. But yet there's a lot of different kinds of songs that they have, I think. Um, Michelle? Uh, growing up, um, I heard, you know, the singles. Of course, I heard Lola, um, Come Dancing, uh, Destroyer. Yes. Um, but I, I didn't know the albums and uh, didn't really know the story until I went with you to see uh, see Ray at the Tabernacle here in Atlanta and uh, experience his one-man storytelling show. Yes, that was amazing. It we was. have seen, yeah, both of us have seen Dave and Ray separately, yes. but we've never seen the Kinks together. Yeah, we've never seen them together as the Kinks. So, 
uh, <laughs> and yeah, they are they are as a se- they are as a separate as brothers can get. I think at this point, <laughs> it doesn't get much more so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? Um, same as Michelle, actually. You know, my parents, you know, raised me on the Kinks and you know all the different British Invasion music. You know, but for for us, the Beatles caught on more than the Kinks did, and such. But it was really awesome, you know, Lola, and then, you know, as I got older, you know, you know, Destroyer and, you know, you know, you really got me and, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, really feeling them when MTV era and I was a teenager and come dancing, you know, the video came out and it was like, oh, okay. And that really, you know, pushed it out. And then I researched as I got older and started my own musical taste, you know, discovering more of the King's history and everything and doing it that way. Yeah. I I'm, I'm very similar to that. Actually. I, I, uh, I was aware. I don't even think I knew of them as a band. Like I knew the singles, like I knew you really got me and I knew, um, uh destroyer was huge back in the day like when i was in like junior high or high school somewhere mm-hmm. in that like destroyer was everywhere you don't hear that one very often anymore i think um or people a lot of that doesn't seem to come up uh with a lot of other ones that they like people uh harp on but i mean i remember back in the day like we all knew that one um mm-hmm. but um but it wasn't until i didn't put a I guess you could say it really literally didn't put a face with the band until come dancing and seeing that video. And by that time I was already pretty established as really enjoying like English stuff, like English, uh, like Dr. Who and Monty Python and, and all that kind of stuff. So seeing the video, which was very kind of tongue in cheek, um, you know, Ray was the, was the kind of like showman, um, in in that, um, I think it just it just hit me, and I was like, "Oh, this is a band to watch." And I still really didn't like go all in. I didn't buy their albums or do anything like that until I got um, really into them in college. Uh, a really good friend of mine, who actually listens to the show, so thank you, Larry. Um, in college, introduced our seventh Jake- listener. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. He's listener number seven. Um, uh, he really was a big fan of the Kinks, and he was m- really digging their um, their stuff from like the '80s, really, uh, and and kind of what I'm going to call their their third uh, version of the band, really. Uh, when I when you if you break it out, um, but uh, and that's when I really started getting in. Uh oh! And uh, an album that they came out with. Are you there? Yeah, you broke for a second. That's all. Okay. You froze up. Uh, There was an album that they came out with in particular called, uh, I think it was one of their last albums called UK Jive, which we listened to over and over and over again. And uh, just really liked that a lot. So, um, because I think really when I was, when I think about the band, there's like, there's three eras in their history that I think uh, that I kind of put in there's there's like 64 to 69 ish or so where what? they're where they're coming out with like singles like you really got me and all day and all the night set me free tired of waiting for you can that you, kind of stuff can you imagine though during that era if they didn't get banned from the united states from playing co- concerts 
Can you imagine how big they could have been here in the States? I I don't know because I mean they that's a weird thing because there no one can really kind of pinpoint exactly why they were banned. Oh, they were or, banned or they were even, banned because they kept on getting into fights on stage. And no, that's, 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 that's absolutely kept on, not true. Oh, that's uh, absolutely people, not true. People would not book them. And that's when the people decided that, you know, in the United States, because they were throwing, you know, drums at each other and cymbals and, and one of them, you know, Ray got knocked out on stage by the drummer, you know, and it's just, and then to convince them not to press charges, they basically had to say, oh, it's part of the act. So no, there was a lot that they, you know, reasons why they got banned in the States. Mm-hmm. Well, the, okay. So the, t- the, the big fights you're talking about did not happen in the States. What if one was right in Alabama, dude? <laughs> the um, most of the stuff they were, I think, though, the thing that makes them endearing is the fact that even right from the beginning, even in their own country, they weren't like a huge success right away. I mean, they had the first big songs like, you know, All Day and All the Night and You Really Got Me. But then after that, they kind of um, they they found it hard to get their stuff played on, on even British radio. And then they started to build up a following in 69 or so in the States. And actually they were at one point, they were more popular in the States than they were in Britain. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, But Ray Davies had to come back with his manager and they basically had, this was right before they did that concert you had been talking about over at, you know, when they were doing, you know, like the, the ones in New York and then in San Francisco and stuff like that. Uh, they basically had to go and like reapply to play here in the States. And, you know, they had to like, you know, like say, Hey, we promise we won't do this kind of stuff anymore. And, you know, these are, you know, some, this is, you know, we'll behave, but they never did, but that's a whole different story because, <laughs> because the whole music industry at that point had changed from, you know, the proper, you know, British invasion guys in the suits and everything and the mop tops to, you know, the acid rock and stuff of the late sixties. But they were just, you know, I think they, they themselves were uh, odd, the two, and they didn't fit in. Like when the, when, you know, when the, uh, when the Beatles came over with the British invasion came over and the Beatles came over and, and you're right, they were all well-dressed mop tops, very like boy next door-ish, you know, the kinks were not, like whenever Ray and, and Dave and the rest of them would be talking to the press, they would kind of be saying just the wrong thing. The press didn't know what to make of them. Uh, so yes, they did not make a good impression on, on, on America. And I think that did hurt them, but I don't know, you know, it's one of those things that I think that just sort of fed into their own uh, drama as far as uh, creativity wise. I mean, like Ray is Ray Davies has never really fit in. And in some ways I, I don't even know if he's fit into his own band at some points, you know? Um, although if you, I've read both of his books or I'm actually halfway through the second book of his, and he constantly refers to the kinks as his band. Um, mm-hmm. And of course that um, uh, really ticks off his brother, Dave. <laughs> like to no end uh and and ray had stuff in his contract that basically said that off of any kinks album the first three singles had to be ones that were written by him 
so even though Dave wrote quite a number of songs, uh, none of them really got any traction because by the time the fourth single comes out, right? Um, but so you have this, you have this period where in the sixties, they're, they're doing these like singles, they're doing these rock singles. And then in the late sixties, they start to get into uh, more concept albums like the Village Green Preservation Society, Arthur, uh, Muswell Hillbillies, things like that. Uh, Preservation, one and two. Uh, they sort of, these are these like high concept albums, which are critically acclaimed, but they really don't like have, produce a lot of singles. And it isn't until uh, I think they sign with uh, Arista Records in 70s where they start kind of doing hits again. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, uh, what you guys' experiences with the band are per se, but in terms of like, is there a particular era of the kinks that you like more than say maybe the others or that you kind of identify more with, uh, Bambi? I guess me, I really like, without knowing much about them, it would have just been that you really got me mostly. But like because of this podcast, what you guys were saying, we we're going to be doing stuff on the kinks. I looked them up and I was shocked that I was actually familiar with so many of the songs that they actually had. And I was like, these are completely different bands, it sounds like. Like from You Really Got Me to Lola, sounds like mm-hmm. a completely different band. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Me personally, I guess it still would be You Really Got Me because I tend to like rock, you know, more rock based stuff. But I don't know the uh, what was it? Uh, Come dancing? Is it, it that one? Uh, yeah, that sounds very. Is that eighties? It sounds very eighties. Yeah, yeah, that's early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sounds kind of ska-ish. So I don't know. I guess I don't really feel like I can choose properly because <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a different band to me. And that's the cool thing. They kept on reinventing themselves, and they also, you know, the two brothers were the only constant through the band the whole time. They, you know, everyone else changed around them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that <laughs> also would, brought in. They would kick them out. Oh, yeah. Or they quit, <laughs> people quit or. <laughs> and Dave quit many times, uh, but uh, he always came back as well. Um, I mean, it was weird. They were, they were literally like the bad brothers. I mean, yes, they did fight a lot. They're still better than Oasis, so that's all I have to say. Uh, they're they're oh, better. Yeah. Actually, they're they're better fighters than Oasis was. <laughs> um, uh, and they're probably yeah they're yeah. So even Oasis, yeah, Oasis even took that from them. Like uh, like uh, they they sound like the Beatles and they fight like the Kings. Um, <laughs> uh, Ricky, what about you? Any particular like era? that uh you uh that appeals to you about the kinks well i'm not really familiar with the concept album era at all so what i know from them is the singles and most of the singles that i'm familiar with are the early era so when i think of the kinks i think of the early stuff yeah um they have according to wikipedia they have uh, they had five top 10 singles in the U S billboard chart. Uh, nine of their albums charted in the top 40 um, in the UK. They had 17 top 20 singles and five top 10 albums. So yeah, they had um, especially in the UK, they had a number of singles that, uh, you know, made um, an impression, but sort of, um, and I will say this too, as much as I like the kinks, 
I I like the early stuff. I'm more, I think, partial to their later stuff just because that's what I have am really familiar with. And just recently, only over the last year or so, have I been really getting into their um, their uh, concept album period. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of their album Arthur, um, and uh, they of course put out a huge, you know, uh, multi set of that. Um, last year was the uh, 50th anniversary of Village Green Preservation Society, and they've been doing the same thing. So I imagine next year they'll do the same thing for Lola versus Power Man, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it, it's a good time to be to discover these albums because uh, they're actually uh, remastering them and becoming more available uh, than they were uh, for a while. So I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of discovering them uh, when it comes to that period i mean i know certain songs like uh on on arthur i think the the most popular song off that was uh, victoria which I don't know it's a great song yeah um michelle what about you i trying to think of them as a 60s band you got me really got me um lola that period i know them as a singles band gotcha and mike well, you know, for me, it's probably, you know, the 70s. You know, I like their 60s stuff, um, you know, the f- the first couple of years. But then for the, me, it was like the 70s when you got into Lola, you got into Celluloid Heroes, you know, you got Walking on a Thin Line. You know, that whole era of the kinks is so deep. It's just it's just awesome. You know, actually, Celluloid Heroes almost like brings me to tears sometimes. It's just such a beautiful song. That's, yeah, that's one of my uh, favorite songs as well. Uh, that's off of uh, Everybody's in Show Business. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's in Showbiz. In the, kind of kind of around the, uh, it's, it's kind of weird. That album is a, kind of a standout with the... Um, they're doing concept albums in the seventies, but that one is more of a singles album, I think, to me mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I can but see yeah, that. Yeah, that's that song in particular. Um, they also have one that's um, uh, that like they would do these. They're not really ballads, but they're kind of ballads in the sense that you've got celluloid heroes. You've got um, uh, there's one uh, I think about where have all the good times gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, uh, there's one about rock and roll, which I'm not rock and roll fantasy. Yes. Yes. That's it. Exactly. Rock and roll fantasy, yeah. which is like, that's, that's almost like the rock and roll equivalent of celluloid heroes in a way to me. Um, but I love, I love the, the those songs. So oh, that's yeah. why I'm, those I are great, great songs. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, I think what really strikes me about the kinks in particular, well, first of all, um, it's said that their first huge single, which was You Really Got Me, was a game changer, not just for them, but for rock and roll. Oh, yeah, the distortion. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, now, um, Bambi, since you mentioned it, can you ex- do you do you know that? Can you explain that a little bit? It's uh, they cut a hole, I think, or they slit the speaker to make it rattle. 
kind of. I mean, it's probably the short answer of it. It's distortion. It's it's like a blown speaker kind of distortion. Yeah, it was something that Dave did um, to one of his, I think, homemade speakers uh, that he used at home or whatever. Um, and it gave the his guitar this sort of, I guess, did it, is it is it called like crunchy now? Like this crunch sound? Well, it's distortion. It's right. Well, yeah, it's yeah, a, it's, it yeah crunchy. Crunch. Yeah, crunch. And it was just this raw like guitar noise that I that I don't think anybody had heard before. And I think some people go so far as to say that this was this was the start of of like like heavy rock. Yeah. Like it, you I could know. almost you could almost link like heavy metal to like this song. In, in the in the sort of family tree of rock um and i certainly think that you know and i think they also attribute punk to them as well from from that well uh, it, it wasn't the first song that used that sound mm-hmm. um it's a famous example but mm-hmm. uh the one of the earliest recordings of that um the story is that the amplifier had fallen out of the the trunk that wasn't latched well and (laughs) broke on the way to the studio and they didn't have a a chance to fix the speaker. So they just recorded with a broken speaker and ended up having distortion. And that wasn't the kinks that predated the kinks. So this wasn't the first example, but it was definitely an early example. um, Not just because of the distortion, but because of the aggression of the song. Yes, uh, I think the combination of "You Really Got Me" and then "All Day and All of the Night," because they're very similar in their like aggressive guitar riffs. I think. Yes. Um, so much so that if I find myself even even me, I find myself humming one and I'll slip into the other. Like, I just it just seems like they're like, which one is that way? <laughs> it's like this this massive guitar riff. Um. But I think that that was a big, huge, yeah, influence. And then what was weird is like the next singles that they came out with were Set Me Free and Tired of Waiting for You, which are completely like not like raw, like heavy rock songs. So right away, they kind of like change up a little bit um, as far as uh, what people are expecting from them. Um, I think uh, in one of the books, I know that... uh, I think it's Ray who mentions that at one point uh, in the, I guess it would be the late sixties. He was listening to the radio and a, and a who song came on. It was like when the fir- who was first coming out and stuff. And he was like, Oh, I don't remember recording that kink song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he realized it wasn't his band. So, uh, so yeah, I guess the who was influenced by the kinks as well. But I think you could make that lineage between, you know, like there was the Beatles and the Stones at the time. They were the two icons of sort of British rock. But then you have the Kinks coming in, which is sort of like more like the 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 fringe, the the heavy metal or the punk of rock in, as, instead of the pop rock or the standard rock that the Stones, the bluesy standard rock mm-hmm. that the Stones would get. So it's it's kind of a weird like kind of mix there, and I find that the I think that's another reason why the Kinks never really got like huge huge was because I think they just weren't I don't think they were made up for that I don't think they were um, 
yeah i don't think that was in their their dna to be like america's band or uk's band or a huge pop sensation like that well i think it's interesting you mentioned the stones and the beatles the stones have the reputation of being kind of the the bad boys of rock at the time sure oh yeah Beatles were the clean cut well the the beatles and the dave clark five were sort of the clean cut guys and then you had the stones who were you know the the sort of the bad boys um but as far as i know they weren't you know throwing drums at each other on stage (laughs) so maybe that title was uh given to the wrong band well, it was uh, uh, the who, like, yeah, well, the Stones were, I mean, Keith Moon was throwing things like out of hotel windows. But that was later. Um, but that was later. Yeah. Yeah, that was later. Right. But they weren't. It, yeah. And I think, you know, and then when certainly when the who came around, they started smashing guitars on the stage. But they weren't they weren't like aggressive towards one another. I mean, this was the Kings were a band that not only were Dave and Ray fighting, but Dave was fighting with Mick. Mick was fighting with like they were all kind of fighting with one another. Oh, and they, when they you just say didn't fighting, like each you other. don't mean arguing. You mean <laughs> punching each other in the face in the middle of the show <laughs> and exactly. hitting each other with instruments. You know. Yes. Yes. I mean, how much more punk? I mean, that's why I think they're attributed to the starting like punk is how much more punk can you get? Uh, with uh you know i mean that's like the early days of punk for sure um but i think the other thing about that is which is a weird dichotomy because i think um in addition to the 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 riffs and everything to me what really pulls me in to the kinks is the songwriting uh particularly the songwriting from ray although dave's got some really good numbers too but really uh ray's songwriting is just it's clever um, it's impactful. A lot of times he'll the, the, he's, he'll use a double meaning um, uh, in in a lot of tracks. Um, a lot of social political things that he he, he brings up. Um, some in a very cheeky fashion. Others in a lot more of a uh, sort of a sentimental fashion. I, I think um, I think that what's to me when I, when I'm looking back now, um, there's the rock numbers, sure. But then the numbers that I keep coming back to and listening to, as Mike mentioned with Celluloid Heroes, is the songwriting. He also had a bit of snark in his songwriting. Yes. Which goes back to what you were saying about punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can, I mean, I think one of the biggest hits like Lola is like a, is kind of a, is a good example of that, right? Where I don't know a, how punk it is, but it's a good no, no. I mean, but I mean, as far as as far as Ray being kind of um, uh, sort of matter of fact or snarky about something or talking about something that wasn't really something that you would hear about on the radio very often. Then. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, That's definitely the case. Or dedicated follower of fashion is another one. Uh, Ape Man is another one. Uh, you know, I think. Um, I think he would come up with these songs. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lola, Eight Man. That's one of those ones I'm thinking of. Yeah. Dead End Street, even to a little bit. Um, even back in like their, one of their early singles, I think, Tired of Waiting for You is kind of, to me, a song that I, when I listen to it, I'm like, it just seems like you just didn't hear that kind of like, what a weird kind of thing to sing about. I'm just tired of waiting for you. <laughs> I am just tired of waiting for you. <laughs> 
I'm so tired. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I do find that there's a little bit of that English humor, uh, that dry English humor in, in the music, too. Um, any other albums or songs in particular that uh, you guys can relate to or like um, in particular? Well, there's a few of them. You know, it's just, it's always neat because it did feel like, especially through the 70s into the early 80s, the kinks were reinventing themselves with each album. And it was always fun to see what they would come up with. And, you know, they didn't have all the top, you know, hit after hit after hit after hit. They went like on waves and such. Like you had said earlier, Mike, they didn't have you know, hits for quite a few years. And then they, you know, reinsurged themselves. And that was pretty awesome about that. It's, it's always crazy when you see that with a band. Um, the vast majority of bands out there never have any success. And of those that do have success, it's usually uh, all at, at one time. You have this burst of popularity that lasts a mm. few months, or if they're lucky, a few years. And then it goes away and that's just it. And it might come back 20 years later when there's a nostalgia thing, but it's just a nostalgia for those same songs that were already hits. It's really rare that a band disappears and then comes back and has new hits that have nothing to do with the old music. And they did that several times. Well, exactly. And that's one of the great things about it. Like, that's why they call it, you know, the one hit wonders and such, because you have... Like so many people have like critically claimed first albums, they have hits and they have stuff. And the Kings did that. They did that back in 1964, 65. And, but then, you know, in all right, they should have disappeared, but they kept on coming back and coming back and coming back. And that's very, very rare. Right. Yeah. And, and even so much so that, you know, when they, they're very rare that they made the transition um kind of yeah they made the transition to video like they're a band that's around in the 60s um and and then they're still around in the 80s and they come out with a video for come dancing which is just as popular as like you know all the new bands at the time oh it was not popular in a nostalgia way at all it wasn't popular Mm. because oh it's the kinks they have a new video out i like it because it's the kinks it was people saying, oh, I like this song from this new band. Yeah. Exactly. But the thing is, after Come Dancing, that was it for them. You know, there wasn't, that was pretty much for their major top, like top 40 popularity and such. You know, they had a couple that, you know, kind of peaked in the low top 40s and stuff, but they didn't go to the success that they, they found. Top Come Dancing was pretty much the pinnacle of the 80s for them. That's Still true. having hits in three different decades. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's amazing, and that's why we're talking about them tonight. You know. Yeah. So that's um. It, it definitely. Yeah, you're right. It it was. Yeah, they they did like you know they were actually. I mean, they were around for another ten years after that, uh, making albums. But you're right, Mike. No, a lot of people cared. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I love those albums. Uh, State of Confusion. Uh, think visual uk jive uh i like those albums a lot but yeah you're right they weren't they weren't uh getting a lot of they, uh, 
play. They, but they, I think they might have been successful for kink fans, but they weren't, you know, commercial success, commercial successes. Because yeah. I can remember, you know, when the when the when the video started, it was all about like the sort of the new bands that were able to use that to their advantage. Um, and then some of the older bands were able to adjust uh, like the Stones, but the Stones have sort of been sort of just been that constant, right? Like they've just been. A... Oh yeah. But you it's still not going anywhere. They're just still a band. Right. But, um, but it wasn't until like the kinks did it that I think you could really see that other band, like it made the paved the way for other bands to do it. Cause I think it was shortly after that where the moody blues kind of made it come back too. the moody. The moody blues did, but you also had, you know, like people like Jethro Tull, or you had, you know, definitely you had, you know, a lot of the 70s, 60s, and 70s. You had Fleetwood Mac, you know, do, you know, come back very popular in the 80s. Uh, you had, you know, a lot of those bands. Hell, you had the Grateful Dead. You had Springsteen, who, you know, was a mainstay in the 70s for the arena shows and, you know, his you know marathons. And I remember when Dancing in the Dark came out, that was such a, you know, so exciting because that was Bruce's first real video he did. You know, he did one for Nebraska with Atlantic City, but he wasn't in it. But, you know, but that was it, you know, type thing. It really made, you know, that it, people might have been excited for Bruce, Mike, but I think people were more excited because it made, you know, Courtney Cox a star. Oh, yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will never forget those dances. <laughs> those dance moves, man. Oof. Uh, look out, Michael Jackson at the time. Sorry. Um, uh, and then, uh, so in, you know, there's still a band. They're still around in the 90s. And then in, in 19, but in 1990 is when they're inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, all four original members go in, uh, even though, as you said, Mike, they, there was uh, some, some, uh, some guys that came and went in the band. But it was pretty much... Uh, at least most of them uh, are Dave, Ray, and I think uh, uh, Mick, right? Is the one I'm thinking of? I think so. Um, and then I'm not sure who the fourth member was that was inducted in, but I'm guessing, I mean, do we know? They, they must have got in like first ballot, right? That would be my guess, yeah. Oh, I'd almost guarantee it. I mean, I don't, they, obviously they weren't, they didn't go right in when, as soon as they were eligible, because they would have been like, they would have been like the first ones in. But uh, I think they were, I don't, I can't imagine it being a question like, Oh, do we bring, do we put these guys in or not? Um, And they keep them. They're pretty. That's the other thing about the kinks too, is that uh, even though Dave and Ray still tour or they did, uh, I think Dave still tours now, Ray, not so much. There's been, talk over the last year or so that they're actually putting together some new music or at least finishing up some old kinks tunes so they may there may be a kinks album uh coming out on the horizon at some point uh what that's going to look like i have no idea uh ray's written two books uh kind of explaining about or talking about his time in the band um, the first book is X-Ray. It's very strange. The way it's written, it's almost like a fictional account of mm. a rock and roller that's based heavily on Ray's experiences. 
it's very strange in the format. It, it, you would, you're not surprised that Ray would do this, but uh, in the book, I guess he said a lot of things that uh, Dave took exception to. So Dave wrote his own book called Kink. And then after that, Ray wrote another book to refute all the things that David says. So. <laughs> <laughs> because they got to fight in, you know, literary circles. Too. <laughs> so, and uh, even though I think they're cordial to one another at this point, they're not, they're not friendly. Uh, they live in, I think, two, yeah, they don't live anywhere near each other. Uh, apart from this new stuff that they've been working on, they don't work together. Uh, they're completely separate, really. I know that uh, I think when Ray recently was, was he knighted? Yes, he was. So it's Sir Ray Davies. Sorry, we've been, um, uh, didn't mean to be disrespectful to Sir Ray, <laughs> Sir Ray. the knight of the the realm. <laughs> um, and And Dave tweeted about that. Dave did, but he wasn't there. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't there. But <laughs> it's he not like he was there it. to say, like, hey, bro. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> of course, he, and, you know, I don't think he cared about being knighted either. Yeah. So. Of course um, uh, But as far as musically goes, um, uh, I know that we like to ask you this, uh, Ricky and Bambi, are there, have you played kink songs? Is it something that mm -hmm. when you were doing covers yeah. that you get asked to do? It's story time, right, Ricky? It is story time. <laughs> uh, yes, we have played Kinks covers. In fact, uh, many years ago, we we had recorded a live version of us performing You Really Got Me. And I contacted the record label, their record label, uh, to find out what would what it would cost for us to include that video on our DVD. Um, most people probably don't realize this. It's very easy to get permission and pay the uh, mechanical licensing to do a cover of a song and put it on an album. Super, super easy. Um, not ridiculously expensive. And you don't even need to get permission. All you have to do is pay in most cases. But video is a completely different story. And uh, it's a lot more difficult and it's a lot more expensive. So I had contacted the record label just to get a rough idea of how expensive we're talking about. And out of the blue, Dave Davies contacted me and said he wanted to see the video. And uh, he said, I don't, I don't have anything to do with how much it costs. I don't have anything to do with giving you permission. I have nothing to do with any of that. I'd just like to see the video just because I'm curious. So... It was kind of an ordeal getting it to him. It, it was a huge file. And like I said, this was a long time ago. Uh, and anyone who knows me knows that I am not very technologically savvy. So, uh, and neither is Dave Davies, turns out. <laughs> so, uh, That's awesome. Between the two of us, um, it, was, it was a little bit of, a, of a, a challenge. But I finally did get this video to him. And... Uh, he watched it and he said to me, you guys are a lot of fun. I, I love your, your show. You put on a great show. Uh, it's too bad you got all the lyrics wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because, because we, we were doing a cover of Van Halen's version. <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh. But uh, I, I still thought that it was, it was just, 
kind of shocking to be contacted by the song, one of the original songwriters out of the blue about, you know, this song that decades later, he's just curious to see this band performing it live. That is, that's amazing. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, And that, yeah, the fact that Dave would, yeah, I, I can't imagine that Ray would care, but although Ray would, it's oddly enough, Ray would be the one that's getting paid because I think he's listed yes. as the writer of uh, almost send, all those songs. Just send the checks. Just send, just send the checks. And as an uh, interesting side note to that story, uh, the record label did tell me how much it would cost to put it on our DVD. And when they told me that, we immediately decided it was not going on our DVD. Um, yet still, uh, without any DVD release at all, including the song or not including the song, we had not even released a DVD and the record label never contacted us about it again, but they turned over, uh, our account to a collections agency and still wanted that money, even though we never released a DVD at all. Really? I jumped through so so many hoops, so many angry phone calls trying to uh, get that taken care of. The moral to that story, kids, is never give any contact information to a record label when you're just calling about a price quote. <laughs> yeah, really. Wow. Uh, I also know from uh, the the readings of the, all the books, the one thing that Dave and Ray can agree on is that uh, record label wise, they got screwed many, many times. Uh, so um, yeah, I can only, and I guess that uh, they're not alone there. That's yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Name a band. Uh, they've been screwed. <laughs> Come on. That's <laughs> yeah. the truth. Uh, but I think that was another reason that early on kind of, kind of caused them to stumble because their management was awful, uh, had really uh, just taken advantage of them. And uh um yeah and it seems like they're you know those companies are still trying to uh make life hard for even people who are trying to cover them yep (laughs) wow um but uh so is that the the main song now but you said that you when you cover that song you're covering more the you find that more people are familiar with the the van halen version than the king's version of it well that's actually an interesting question um At our shows, yes, but we play mostly 80s music, so the people who come to our shows are mostly familiar with 80s music. Gotcha. Um, Interestingly, I was teaching that song to students who were uh, teenagers at the School of Rock last year. They weren't familiar with either version of the song, and the version that they were learning was the Kinks song for a British Invasion show that they were doing last year. So when I played them the Van Halen version and said, you know, there's a cover of this song that was also really popular and really well known. When I played the Van Halen song, these are teenagers now who heard the Kinks version first and then the Van Halen version, which is how, you know, people who are familiar with the Kinks in the 60s would have gone through that. Unlike me, I heard the Van Halen version first and the Kinks version later. So it was interesting to get the point of view of someone who's 15 or 16 now hearing the Kinks version and then being introduced to the Van Halen version um, because both of those are now older than they are. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, 
<laughs> much older. Their their reaction in every case was just, wow, these are so different. And now I've recently been teaching uh, the Van Halen version to my group of six to 12 year olds. So I have, have these, uh, you know, I think there's a 10 year old guitar player who's playing the Van Halen guitar solo from you really got me. And it's, it's just wild seeing these kids response to uh, both the kinks and the Van Halen version of the song. I think it's, it's one of those urban legends too. And I don't know if this is actually true. And I think that Ray kind of perpetuates this. Cause I think he said something about this when we saw him and he was talking about all the makings of some of their hits during the storyteller tour. But there's a, a if you listen to, I think it's, you really got me right. It's not all day or all the night, but right in the solo part, like you can hear Dave say, fuck off. Cause he's wow. like yelling at his brother. Cause it's like, cause it's, <laughs> Like, like, like you can, like, if you like, um, especially with like today's technology, when you mm-hmm. listen to the, like, if you really careful, you can like hear uh, uh, him cussing at his brother. So that is funny. Um, but that's, you know, I have not compared. I, I, I know that there's, you know, that they exist, but I've never really done a side by side comparison with uh, you really got me as far as Van Halen and uh, the original kink song. So I don't, I'm surprised that the that the lyrics are different or at least the order of them. Are well, different. Van Halen uh, didn't go back and listen to songs before they recorded them. I see. They just sort of um, do them however they did them in the studio. And uh, I can't speak for musicians in general, but I can say that in teaching at the School of Rock, I have learned that every song I know, I know incorrectly. (laughs) I have to go back and learn it correctly before I teach it to these kids. And I'm shocked at how wrong I have been playing these songs. And if you think about it now, today you can jump on YouTube and watch 20 different videos on how to play a song on guitar. You can look up tablature. You can look up music. You can look up lyrics if you just want to hear the song, you just pull it up immediately. Right. And when when I was learning these songs, you had to find a copy and learn it by listening to it. So a lot of times you're not going to be right. Uh, you don't have somebody else sitting there helping you like a YouTube video would do now. And you certainly don't have 20 different opinions on how something is done. If you go back to the seventies when Van Halen was covering these songs, it was a similar thing. You know, you'd have to buy the record and listen to the record over and over trying to learn these parts. And then just kind of guessing and hoping you're getting it right. Right. And as a band, we would get to a point where we'd think, okay, this sounds good. Not this sounds right. You know, it it doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong if everybody in the band is playing it together and it sounds good. It's more about the spirit of the song than the the specific parts. So especially in the 70s, I would imagine that Van Halen probably learned the song when they were playing backyard parties and they probably spent, you know, 10 minutes learning it and then four years playing it and developing it before they ever recorded it for their first album. Yeah, subtle changes. Oh, sure. Of course. And, and 
kind of knowing what I know about Diamond Dave and Eddie, um, uh, well, they never came to blows like Ray and Dave did, but um, uh, I, I could see where they, you know, um, would think that they were improving everything that they were part of anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly don't think that Dave would have taken the time to make yeah. sure and no. fact check all of the, the lyrics. No, no, Dave's like, oh, we're doing it my way um so probably yeah. like good enough my yeah. way is the best way uh <laughs> diamond day's way is the best way so well very cool um uh well i think that uh kind of wraps up our our, our spotlight here on the kinks uh any any last words about the band uh i guess we'll start with you bambi no nah, nah. i feel like i'm you know i'm kind of worthless with this with this one i know you really got me really well well, Van Halen version. <laughs> Actually, uh, you probably well, know our version. Yes, that's really true. Well, yeah, and, yeah, that, that's true. Not the Van Halen version. That so is so much. true. Just don't te- tell the record company. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know we're gonna we're gonna get sued because you mentioned it on this podcast. Yeah, now that now the record company's gonna come after us. All those parts just kind of. <laughs> out. Uh, notice I didn't mention the record label by name. Yeah. Yes, thank you for that um that might save us um uh ricky what about you landing last words on the kinks the only thing that i want to say and i I said this earlier it's just really amazing to me that they were able to shift styles so well from album to album from uh song to song and it's making me want to go back and and just start at the beginning and listen through everything just just to hear that progression uh all at once absolutely um and i'm rediscovering them as well now and it's it's just it's an amazing journey to take uh i can definitely encourage people to do that uh michelle um Oh, I would just kind of point people if they're interested to a Ray Davies solo album. My knowledge of the Kinks is scattered singles, but uh, Ray did an album called Return to Waterloo. When was that? Was that late eighties? Uh, yeah, the yeah. Um, and I ex- actually heard that as an album and thought it was absolutely brilliant because it was based on a, a movie. Yeah, he was heavily involved. And it is really good. Uh, it's a great album. It's my, probably my favorite of his solo work. Mike? Well, for me, it probably has to be like, you know, I've been saying the early 70s stuff, you know, the stuff with Lola or, you know, like you had mentioned also, you know, everyone in showbiz, those are just two amazing albums. And you'll know a lot of the songs on those. And it just, it is awesome to be able to hear, you know, the progression of the band through this and then, you know, pick up one of their 80s, you know, CDs or play some YouTube videos. You know, it's always great. And to get to see them live because there's there are concerts up there of them doing live performances. And you might even see a punch or two. So it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really, um, you know, Mike, I, I can't help but think, you know, I know it's the hippie in you or whatever, but I, I think uh, like, I think like, I'm like, man, like Village Green Preservation Society, Muswell Hillbillies. These are like songs that are right in your wheelhouse. I would oh, think. they are. They're all Those good are albums stuff. that were. Yeah. So 
uh, those were done in the late 60s. So I could imagine that, those, that yeah, yeah, that would be right in your wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, uh, I, I, you know, I love their stuff from the, the 60s. You can get a lot of their greatest hits uh, um, out there. And that, that uh, is a great way to, be, to experience a lot of their uh, material, especially from the, the 60s. And then scattered throughout uh the 70s and 80s um i um i still listen to uk jive i i definitely recommend that one uh if you're if you want to just try out some later kinks it's their second to last album that they did uh it was done during the thatcher era of britain so it's it's ray and dave in particular uh expressing their um feelings about uh thatcher run britain and i i really wish that they were together as a group and 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 i because i can only imagine what kind of material they would write about brexit um just they would just they could make a whole album out of that it would be amazing i think um so yeah i kind of miss them from that but uh, i'm kind of curious to see what they come up with next so if they if there is another album i hope uh we get to that i doubt they'll tour um together anyway um uh, i just don't think that's probably in the cards uh but if you get a chance to see either one of them live do it do it uh, cause, uh, that's worth it. So, well, very cool. Well, that's it for the kinks, our spotlight, uh, of this, uh, this, our, I think our last music spotlight of the year. Oh yeah. So thanks guys. And, uh, we will be right back. Uh, and, uh, we will, I don't know what's coming up. Next. Are we closing out the show? Yes, sir. Okay. So we will be right back and we'll close out the show. And that's how we're going to end it. They put a parking lot on a piece of land where the supermarket used to stand. Before that, they put up a... Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Disney+. Plus. Now, I know many people at least have one Disney show or movie they love, even if they aren't into princesses or talking animals. So Disney Plus being released is a big deal because Star Wars live action shows, the entire Disney library, plus National Geographic, ESPN, and The Simpsons, and many other things to watch. We may not see some of our friends ever again. We'll find their skeletons wearing mouse ears and sitting next to frozen pizzas in their armchairs years later. But, I mean, is that really a bad way to go? Watching Tron, Robin Hood, and The Mandalorian, as well as many other shows on nonstop binge? I am pumped to get to watch many of the Disney films that I have not seen in years because most of the ones I own are on VHS and my VHS player is a bit moody and occasionally works and occasionally doesn't. I am also really excited for Star Wars shows, like live action Star Wars shows, not just animated ones, and being able to also rewatch many of the animated shows that we've had in the previous years. And also... To see the Lady and the Tramp live action movie and see if it'll be amazing or if it'll give me nightmares. We shall see. Also, the promise of an Obi-Wan and Loki show or movie. Yeah, I need those in my life. So I'm excited for all this new streaming service stuff, even though I need companies to stop with the streaming services already because my wallet can't handle it anymore. Well, Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here. Ricky and Bambi, thank you guys so, so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was an ordeal to get here, but we made it. <laughs> if you guys only knew what happened behind the scenes, if you guys only knew. Anything you guys want to promote? I'm just glad that they're so technically, like, you know, um, uh, marvelous that they can join us. <laughs> hey, you know, it's not me. <laughs> Mikey, you are so sucking up. Come on, you know. Do you guys have anything you want to shout out about or promote? Hmm? Huh? <laughs> you go, Ricky. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, I know. And we're going to Texas this week, but the show will, you know, air and we'll probably have already gone. So there we go. Well, do you guys have a website? Do you guys have a place where people can find about Radio Cult? RadioCult.com, Facebook, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Address? Yeah, it's Radio Cult. On, well, if you just search Radio Cult on Facebook, you'll see our logo. Hopefully, we're the, well, there's a radio station of like Brazil or something like that that is now calling themselves Radio Cult. So that's interesting. So there's two Radio Cults on Facebook now. But uh, we're the one that's the band. That's <laughs> You can check us out on MySpace. Yeah, that's true. Wait, wait. MySpace is still around? I know, right? <laughs> wow. It is. Sometimes I go there when I want to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Michelle, thank you so much for being here and joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. You want any musical stuff you want to shout out about or anything? Um... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Vote for Pat Benatar. Vote for Todd Rundgren. Vote for Judas Priest. Yeah, um, Dave Matthews is actually catching up with. Uh, oh, he's, he's, he, uh, they've overtaken her. They've yeah. Have they, they? They've been yeah. Dave Matthews has been in the lead for about a week or so now. Yep. Wow. Oh, wow. And it doesn't. It looks like they're running away with it. So, uh, but you know. But Dave we'll Matthews is a new band. No, <laughs> not, not really. Not really. They've. <laughs> No, if you think about it, this is going to make you feel old. Their first album came out over 25 years ago. Uh, yeah, other, but otherwise they would be nominated. Still the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it's, you know, some people consider Dave Matthews classic rock, so come on. Uh, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Huh, okay, well, thank you so much, Michelle, for everything you do for the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one finally. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about? I do. Uh, we had, uh, Michelle and I had the uh, privilege of uh, going, uh, being in Charlotte uh, this past weekend to, uh, we went to a concert uh, for the, um, basically the 25th anniversary of Intrepid Artist International which is a booking agency for um, uh, mainly blues fans uh, around the country. Uh, they, uh, they cover such artists as uh, a good, uh, like, like one that you've heard me talk about a lot, which is Davy Knowles, uh, the Empire Strikes Brass Band. Uh, they had Kenny, they had Kenny Meal who performed uh, that we saw and, many others uh they like i said they mainly focus on blues um and it's some really really good music and uh it's just one of those cases where like blues music like so many other things uh this this in these days 
is not something that I think is, is being um, maybe appreciated as much as uh, a lot of other things this, in this current environment that we're in. So I, I give them a lot of credit uh, for supporting blues artists, young and old. And uh, if you get a chance to uh, just go to their website, uh, intrepidartist.com, you'll see a lot of the artists that they, that they represent. Uh, and if one of them is coming to your area, check them out. Because uh, based on the, the concert that we saw, uh, you, it won't be a bad night. It won't be a bad night at all. Uh, yeah. They had some really talented people playing that night that we had never seen. Uh, we just, uh, yeah, we saw them for the first time. And they, a lot of them just blew us away. Yes, for sure. That's pretty darn awesome. It's it's cool when you can go see and be moved by music like that. And that's the wonderful thing about going to see live music. Absolutely. It's, and it's, it's so different. Awesome. Like like one one guy was doing Chicago blues. Uh that was Toronto Cannon. Another guy, Kenny Neal, was doing Louisiana blues. Of course, Davey does a sort of more guitar-based blues. He comes from England. They have a lot of different other kind of styles. So there's not just like, it's not just like blues isn't just like one set thing. I mean, there's a lot of different variations of it. And uh, they were, like I said, they were all represented that night. And it was really amazing. That's pretty fantastic. And, you know, it's just great when you get to see that live and just be just like, wow. And, you know, it's always, you know, this might as well be my shout out, you know, going to see live music, going to see live performances, going to see, you know, small bands to huge monster bands to seeing really big, big venues to these small little, maybe hundred people seeing a show. And it's just, it's just awesome. If you ever get a chance to see live music and, you know, concerts are getting you know fairly expensive nowadays you know they're already starting to put out like the list of shows coming for this next you know for 2020 and you know they just like announced Ringo and his all-star band you know I would love to go see Ringo Starr but I'm not going to pay a minimum of $85 and then service charges to go see you know a concert and you know there's certain ones I'll go see because you know it's bucket list type people but it's just not like, you know, you know, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, it's not everyday type of money and such. But, you know, if you get a chance to go see someone like Radio Cult, people who are trying to make a living at doing this, starting up and, you know, just having fun doing it. You know, not that these big people don't have fun doing it, but, you know, these guys are I hate to say it's starving artists and it's just it's just awesome get a chance support local it's awesome and, that we're starving artists <laughs> it's it's awesome that people can go see you guys so that way you got as you guys are starving artists it should have been a comma in that part there so but yeah it's awesome that you guys are starving it makes you guys want to perform even more that's right yeah, that's some support right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. They oh, just God. got they just got the Mike Faber seal of approval. <laughs> and with that, we are wrapping up tonight's episode. Thank you guys so so much. We're gonna be back again next week, and it's gonna be a weird one. It's just gonna be me and Mike for the whole episode. Oh. That's oh. right, just talking and chatting, and you know just. You never know where we're going to go. It just should be a lot of fun. So until then, my name is Mike Faber, and we'll see you here next time on 
the Earth Station One podcast and support starving artists like Bambi and Ricky. It's awesome. <laughs> they need food. They need food. Buy them some Taco Bell. Taco they love Taco Bell. <laughs> and we're done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.